Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe From the city of angels in Los Angeles <laughs> and from the Big Apple in New York City, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg at thecaregiverspace.org. And we are on 26 numerous syndicated radio podcast networks, uh, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, and a whole bunch more. And we are proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast on the top 50 on Player FM and number two on Feedspot out of the top 60 and number two on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today, don't we, Adrian? Yes, we do. Obstacle, obligation, or opportunity. The wisdom of trauma drama. Dr. Kelly is an author of Beyond Trauma Drama and has 35 years of professional experience with countless generations of traumatized families. As a PhD, registered nurse, marriage and family therapist, nationally certified trauma and resilience therapist, certified legal nurse consultant, she's got a lot of titles, and co-founder of Josephine's Clinic, a nonprofit serving those who have experienced human trafficking and violence. Wow. Through personal, professional, and volunteer experiences, she discovered the key ingredient to healing trauma in children, adults, couples, and families, and is an author of the upcoming book, as I mentioned, Beyond Trauma, Drama. Um, welcome to the show, Dr. Kelly. Thanks, Dave and Adrian. It's an honor to be here. It is. And let me just, I forgot to take this moment and thank my last week's guest, Change Your Cooking, Change Your Life, Samantha Pillay, her cookbook without recipes for those who don't like to cook. Uh, <laughs> and just to remind you, you can watch or listen to that interview on all our networks that I mentioned above. All right. Well, Dr. Kelly, welcome again. And we're so excited to have you on. And I always like to ask my guests, just who is Dr. Kelly Bonhoff and why was she placed on this earth? Oh, that's a great question. So what I've discovered recently was that it was to personally experience abuse and trafficking in childhood, oh uh, trauma, drama in my own family, uh, then began to try and figure out, well, what was that about? So I went through the lens of nursing, went through the lens of psychology, I went through the lens of volunteering. And I just, I had one question in early childhood, which was what um, why are children being hurt by those who are meant to love them and keep them safe? So I had three important jobs when I was a little girl, oldest of four. The first was to keep my mother healthy, my siblings safe, and my father happy. Not necessarily in that order. So why am I on the earth? I believe it was to finally have that spiritual awakening a couple of years ago that brought clarity to the answer to the question that I've always asked and to share that with other families who have experienced adversity in childhood and are echoing uh, these kinds of things in their lives. And I recognized it as the merry-go-round of survival. Mm. And I believe that 
with these seven characteristics, you know that your life and the life of your family have been touched by trauma drama. If you believe yourself or your family is unlovable, unworthy, not enough, too broken to heal, are just unseen or misunderstood by the world. And so it's taken me this lifetime to understand what all that means and then how to transform mm. that merry-go-round. And I was honored to come on this podcast because as a caregiver from the beginning of my life and the loss of my mother in 2014 to a brain tumor, it came full circle. So I have some insight as to how that merry-go-round of survival impacts our ability as caregivers to see these experiences when we're so tired, we're so burned out, we're so over it. And how can we transform those overwhelming moments, those feelings that we might be overburdened or overscheduled as we're trying to juggle everything. So I appreciate the chance to come on and to bring some insight into what might be happening there and what can we do then once we know we're on the merry-go-round? How do we transform that? So let's fill in some missing blanks. Um, How old were you when you were first a caregiver and how did you experience trafficking in your family? Yeah, so I became a caregiver as the firstborn from my first and earliest memories um, oh. of, of crawling, of finding my mother on the floor unconscious. So oh, wow. I've been a caregiver since I was very small. And the trafficking, it's interesting because there's a, some misunderstandings about how trafficking begins. <clears throat> mine mine um, started at age 10 through age 12 um, after going to an overnight at a close friend's house. So trafficking can actually occur and the vulnerability to trafficking actually occurs in our families. If we have a, what I call the vibration of vulnerability. So if we're experiencing adversity, uh, violence, mental illness, or other kinds of things in our childhood, then for those who are also experiencing pain and suffering, some of us choose to respond to that with compassion and helping and others choose to respond to their pain and suffering through harming. And so um, trauma attracts trauma. So how do you define trafficking? Uh, Is it necessarily kidnapping or, I mean, from those uh, two years of your life, were you ever taken away somewhere or you're always in contact with your family? Uh, Explain. Yeah, so trafficking in the 1970s is before the laws came out. But basically, there are three things happening. Um, A child is uh, led to believe, probably through earlier experiences, that they are unlovable or unworthy or not enough or that they're broken, which is how I felt. And what happens is there is a coercion that occurs. So, um, and uh, a false sense of their saying things to you that lead you to believe that you're attractive or lovable. So they may say, and did say something to me, like, if you don't do what we say, we will hurt you or your friend or your family. So that's the coercion. Um, and then there are, of course, is a control. So the minute that you agree to do something, you know, is not okay, but you just feel trapped in that moment. Once you're in that net caught that first time, then they utilize that um, and they threaten you and they scare you. And so children are at a very vulnerable time. So trafficking occurs down the street. It's not 
what we see in, in, um, in the big media. Yes, that does happen. Please know that that's exactly what happened. But what I discovered in the volunteer work with Josephine's Clinic is that the women who were on the street, who were struggling with drugs, who were in these domestic violence situations and just were on the survival merry-go-round, they had the same identical experiences in childhood that I did. In other words, their trafficking started long before they were in their later teens. It started in their families or down the street. And that's a, what I call an invisible, unreported and unspoken about kind of trafficking, which is why I want to bring light to that now. So this is the first time in my lifetime I've spoken about trafficking. My parents didn't know. My family didn't know till recently. I've just now, um, what I would say is had the courage to speak truth around that for myself. Well, are you expanding the definition of trafficking to include any kind of sexual abuse with a, a relative or a stranger or an uncle or something like that? I always yeah. thought trafficking was uh, kidnapping someone, yeah. taking them to a foreign country or wherever, and uh, basically you are becoming their uh, their whore, you're the pimp, etc. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Yeah, I think when this is such a difficult and uh, hard topic to talk about. So I think human trafficking has been discussed in terms of the legal definition. And I'm speaking about it from the emotional, mental, psychological, and even physical definition in the way that I experienced it in my life. And I think that it just reinforced that unlovability, that feeling of unworthiness. And then there is this huge anchor of shame around those events, obviously. So whatever the secret may be in the life of an individual, when it happens in childhood, it starts that merry-go-round of um, survival, which is secrets that we keep in childhood, silence around those secrets, the shame that we feel uh, broken, unable to be healed. Um, We have the shadows so the parts, the rage, the anger, the, the upset, the hurt, the guilt, I just shoved those down and dealt with those with addictions and dissociation. Um, then we have status quo. I just wanted everything to stay the same. And then we've got um, the sabotage that we all can appreciate. And then the suffering, which is that last part, which we just then start again. So what other secrets, what other... so whether it's as an individual or as a couple or as a family or as a community or as a world where we are right now languishing on this merry-go-round until we notice that we're on it. And then we can choose to make different choices about how we address it. So I'm hearing you say that uh, sexual abuse, any kind and trafficking are very similar to the victim there's no difference in what they're feeling. Uh, they have that in common. Is that is that correct? Yeah, each person's experience will be unique and whether they choose to call themselves trafficked or not. I think for me, what I called it was sexual abuse until I got to a healing point where I realized um, in working with human trafficking professionally in children and teenagers and then in adults in a community volunteer service, it fi- I finally got the information that, yes, it is trafficking for me. What happened to me was I was trafficked and people paid money to um, have experiences with me and the other um, little girls in the room. And yeah, so that, would, that, that would is fall trafficking. In, 
that would fall into the definition of trafficking if they're paying money to someone for experiences with you. Correct. Yeah. So where do you find these victims to rescue them? Well, what do I notice? What I noticed in my own life is it seemed like I was a, a beacon. So I, I believe that a beacon in vibration. So I believe that we have two natures, one that we are fully human and the other that we are fully sacred. And I believe the trauma that occurred um, when we were either created or in the womb or out in the environment, the minute that we had a trauma, however that's defined, any experience that causes that imbalance between our mind, our body, and our sacredness or our spirit, mm-hmm. we then begin looking for it again. And it comes out in who am I? What is my purpose? Mm-hmm. And so I believe that I was experiencing fully human, fully sacred moments. And ever since I was a little girl, people have come to me with their deepest secrets and will talk to me. Mm-hmm. And so I think that vibration uh, and, and having been a sensitive and an empath, not quite knowing what that was at the time, um, has all led me to this moment with you. So um, the the choices I made, whether it was to study or to be in my own family and try and figure it out or to write a book now, um, I don't have to look for anyone who's experienced it. Um, they find me and they're meant to be with me in that moment. So I see it as a blessing um, and it's taken decades for me to heal and to get to this moment. Yeah. Do you have anything to say, Adrian? No, I, and what you've got so many credentials <laughs> at, at what stage of your getting credentials did all of this start coming together for you or were you did you have it all and then you discovered it no i kept opening the door behind nursing and i opened the door behind psychology and then i op- i couldn't find it i opened the door between in the volunteering then i opened the door in the legal nurse consulting in the justice system, I could not figure out what in the absolute world was happening here. Mm. And it wasn't until uh, March of 2021 when, when I had the, what I call uh, the hitting the wall for the last time. So my mental, emotional, physical, and relational, uh, my marriage was in trouble. And I absolutely, I had been a essential worker for those two years out in the community, um, sneaking into foster care, (laughs) trying to help children when we weren't supposed to be somewhere. So I did a lot of outside work. Um, But I just came to that point where I couldn't do one more thing. And that afternoon, I had gone to acupuncture, and it had opened up the meridians and energy centers of my body. And I had a dream. And it's through that dream and vision, that spiritual awakening, that it all began to come together. And I think that's why I'm on the earth to have experienced it deeply enough. And then to have all the education, but then to realize it had been, I'd been looking for myself the whole time. Mm -hmm. Everything I needed was within me. And I just want to bring that message to families um, and to the world. The world um, is not broken. It's becoming the greatest expression of love it has ever known. This is a curious question. How would a caregiver know whether they are perceiving their caregiving as an obstacle, obligation, or opportunity? Which are, yeah. which, are, which of these causes the most stress? 
Yeah, so I wouldn't have understood these three doors until um, the experience I had with my own mom at the end. And so my whole life on and off, I felt like caring for her or for the family's trauma drama and what that looked like was a real obstacle to my own happiness. It was getting in the way of where I wanted to go, where I wanted to be or what I wanted to do. And it was a very painful place to be vibrationally and in the way I was thinking about it. Um, that one was hard, but the obligation one was also hard because I had been raised to feel an obligation to family, even in the midst of the secrets we were holding inside of our family with the violence and the alcoholism and the mental illness and stuff. And so I was still very conditioned as the oldest child, uh, the oldest girl that I was obligated. It didn't matter what I thought or what I felt about it. And that was a very uh, heavy, along with feeling that there was an obstacle, but there was an obligation. So as I was there at my mother's side, the last three days of her life, um, helping her to transition into her next greatest sacred adventure, I was held at that time in the obstacle and obligation um, way of thinking. And it made that process very closed. And so the forgiveness and the compassion and the understanding I did not have at that time. It wasn't until last March that I realized, oh, it had actually been an opportunity. And what kind of opportunity was that? It was to expansively see that my mom had a sacred nature, I had a sacred nature, that we were just together. In fact, the six of us in our family of origin had come together and trying to help each other remember that sacred connection. <clears throat> and so the opportunity then through the lens of opportunity is if I can stay in the present moment, caring for someone, not in the past with all the sadness and, the, and all of that, and not in the future, worrying about her next um, medication or changing her, whatever that was, if I could stay in that present with her, in that, that sacred moment with her and hold that space, that is where I believe we were meant to come together as one sacred family. Now that opportunity in 2014 didn't happen that way. And yet it was still a part of my journey. Now she's on to her next great thing, but I am able to and have been able to energetically and through prayer connect with her mm. and have that moment. No, I was just listening okay. to how spiritually healing around this. I know with, with my mother, I, because I had made a promise to my father, I guess I looked on it a little bit as an obligation. It wasn't an obstacle, but it was an opportunity. Um, because there's, there were so many miscommunications that were cleared up. And, and I, took, I, I took it as an opportunity, I guess. Yeah. So, Maria. It's an opportunity. Um, so, your mother was an alcoholic, uh, not present to protect you. Who was doing all of the abusing of you? Was it people in your family? Were your siblings also being abused? 
So you're referring to my family of origin. Yes. So so my mother experienced symptoms of um, depression, anxiety, migraines, those kind of things. Uh, my father suffered from symptoms of narcissism, alcoholism. So the difficulty in those kind of dynamics is that um, when children and all four of us were involved in uh, episodes of physical, emotional abuse, neglect, those kind of things, that um, when a family experiences those things together, um, it ties them very closely to that merry-go-round of survival because you're taught what happens in family stays in family. Right. So it was a f- what what any one of us was experiencing. All six of us was experiencing. Was there sexual abuse within your household, or did that come later or somewhere else? That came. Oh. Um, outside of the family later and then in my very unusual experience of trafficking wow what a life i'm I'm glad you're out of it um tell us uh where we can get the book because we're running out of time sure so um the book um beyond trauma drama cultivating the sacred nature of families to heal will be out on amazon on september the 30th is the the tentative date right now pre-purchase availability um it will be here soon Hmm. we were setting those groovy things up um the magic that has to happen behind the scenes is uh getting ready to go Uh, i can't believe how fast our time has gone today thank you so much for coming on the show Dr. Kelly, how can our listeners reach you? So they can go to onesacredfamily.com, O-N-E-S-A-C-R-E-D, family.com. And the book will be out on Amazon, uh, tentative September 30th. And pre-orders will start here pretty soon. Oh, great. I love pre-orders because when you launch the book, all those pre-orders count as the first day sales. And you'll probably make a number one bestseller just based on that. (laughs) Adrian, how can listeners reach you? Uh, Adrian at thecaregiverspace.org and our Facebook page, uh, The Caregiver Space. Great. And remember that all our live shows become recorded pod and video casts on all your favorite platforms. And you can purchase my number one newly released book, Secrets from the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times, a great book that's changing lives all over the world, available wherever books are sold and my website, caregiverdave.com, which is, by the way, a free membership support community with lots of tools, resources, and check out my Facebook page, Caregiver Dave, a community of 34,000 caregivers. Not as many as Adrian, but I hope to get there one day (laughs) when I grow up. Uh, If you click the like or follow button on whatever platform you're watching or listening to this interview on, it helps us reach even more caregivers by improving Google's search engine algorithms. So thank you to all my listeners out there all over the world for tuning in every Wednesday and making us the number one caregiver podcast on the internet. So until next week, same time, same channel, may God richly bless you all. Bye-bye. We are a community of caregivers that understands and supports you wherever you are in your journey. We are a place to connect with other caregivers, but more importantly, a place to get practical, actionable help. There are lots of ways for you to get support. First of all, you can download our welcome pack. This will get you started on your Thrive journey. 
Next, you can ask and get answers to your questions by posting them here in our private Facebook groups. You can also get live online support by attending one of our live Weekly Connect webinars. You can get practical, actionable advice by listening to our weekly podcast. You can hear and read other stories about other caregivers' experiences. Plus, add your own in our weekly Share Your Story forum, posted every Tuesday in the Facebook group. You can access essential resources and download practical Thrive Solutions Packs, all of which are geared to help you thrive as a caregiver. You get lifetime access to all of our resources. Again, we're here to support you and help you thrive and to enjoy your life as a caregiver. And remember, this is a place to get hope, not just cope. Anytime we suffer loss, we grieve. And a lot of people don't realize what even the grief process is. But it could be five to seven steps ranging from denial, I don't believe this is happening, anger, oh my gosh, I'm so upset this is happening, to a form of bargaining, how can I get out of this, to depression, which is a very serious thing because that often leads to suicide. And then finally, finally, after you realize you have no more control over your situation and you're totally okay with the new normal that it brings, that wonderful, wonderful place called acceptance. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing. 